0: Well, this morning we're going to Psalm 128. Uh, we're closing in, as I said before, uh, we'll be going through Psalm 134 as the Psalms of Ascent. Probably at that point, uh, we'll be at a place where we can jump back in into uh, the book of Romans. So believe it or not, a long, long time ago, that's where we left off about Romans chapter six. So we were just getting to the really good stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll be coming back to Romans probably once we finish up Psalm 134. So we've got about six weeks left in this Psalms of Ascent series. Uh, Psalm 128 is one of the the shorter and simpler psalms in this series of psalms we've been looking at, but the more I read the psalm this week, the more I realized how deceptively simple this psalm actually is. That's often the case with these uh, Hebrew poems that at first glance are most simple. There's usually much more in them than that first read. It's one of the shortest of the psalms in this series, uh, and it's probably in some ways one of the least dramatic. Some of the psalms we've looked at have talked about the great perils and risks and dangers. This psalm is not that kind of psalm. It's a psalm that describes the basic enjoyments of food, of family, and of good health. Uh, Nothing that miraculous, nothing that rare. Uh, For many of us, we find days with those three present, but this psalm describes them as a blessing— Blessed are those who fear the Lord. And then it goes on to describe these images. So I want to look at it this morning. Psalm 128, we're going to read right through verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 128. One of the ways you can read this psalm is a kind of if-then promise. If you fear the Lord, then you will have prosperity, food, a good family, and a long, good life of health. Time to see your children's children. Um, I think most of us know that's not exactly how the promises of God work in the Scriptures. Though there are plenty of promises in places where we're told, if you do this, then you can be sure of that, most of those are associated with the wisdom books, books like the book of Proverbs. And they do have statements like this. Live this way, this will be the results. Do this, this will be the results. If you sow these seeds, this will be the harvest that you will have. Um, generally, we understand that's how these kinds of Proverbs work. These are generally the way that the world works. And it's true that if you fear the Lord... What it means is that you will be living within how humanity was created to live. This is the idea of what the wisdom literature means, and it's a really good way of describing what wisdom is in the Bible. Wisdom means that you live into the way God created and ordered the world, and the person who understands how to do that, how to live within the created reality of God, is a person who understands wisdom. Psalm 128 is often considered to be one of the wisdom psalms because it follows this pattern of the wisdom literature like Proverbs. If you fear the Lord, then you shall be blessed. And here are these images of the blessing. Um, A good way to think about that wisdom, the Bible's living in accord with how God created the world, is this idea of knowing how best to do it. Now, that doesn't take having a high IQ. Sometimes when we talk about the word wisdom, we imagine stories like the stories of Solomon, and we think about the idea of the person with wisdom is the person who is really smart and perceptive and knows how to make really tough decisions and judgment calls between two things. Maybe wisdom is associated with solving complex puzzles or riddles, but that's not what the Bible has in mind when it talks about wisdom. The simplest person with the most basic IQ, can often be the person who discerns the wisest path. Because wisdom needs only a fear and a reverence for God and a willingness to live into the order and structure he has created in this world. Believe it or not, that's not as complex or an IQ-intensive task as it might seem. Oftentimes, it's simple, the most obvious answer, the wisest thing to do. Generally, living in accord with God's created purposes and plan works better than the alternative of rebelling against it. These being the two paths, accepting the world God has created and living into it, or choosing instead our own path, our own way. But is that what this psalm, Psalm 128, is saying? If you live like this, fear the Lord, then you will be blessed and you will have all of these benefits because you feared the Lord. Um, As Christians, you all know that this word blessed is one that's pretty common for most of us. If you go online, it is very common to see hashtag blessed on Instagram and Facebook posts. You hear it in Christian conversations, we're just so blessed, blessed to have this, blessed to be a blessing. We also use it as a verb all the time, let me bless you, no, 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 you don't have to, no, let me be a blessing, let me bless you. It's part of our sort of Christian language that we use, blessed. What do we mean when we talk about this blessing? It is the first word of this psalm. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. You notice this word blessing is so often associated when we use it with things like photos that we take. You go on Instagram and see people's photos of beautiful days. You see their photos of vacations, family portraits, hashtag blessed. Glowing reviews of their spouse, their family, the meals that they're having, the vacations they're on. We usually call ourselves blessed when we reflect on all of the good things that we have, the things we're thankful for, the lucky benefits that we've accumulated along the way. At first, that seems to be what this psalm is doing, Psalm 128. Isn't that the sort of thing, it's like an Instagram post, right? Look at the food that I have by the hard work of my hands. Look at my family that's growing and the children around the dining room table. Look at this long life and the grandkids that I've accumulated. At first, Psalm 128 seems to be a sort of hashtag blessed kind of psalm. If you fear the Lord, look at this wonderful life that you have in front of you. And especially in the ancient world, those three things were considered the good life, Food, produce earned through hard work, a growing family, which meant your name being carried on into the future, and many years of health. Uh, All the grandparents loved the line, enough years to see your children's children. Those were the real luxuries, the good life in the ancient world. But the more I thought about this list this week, even in the context of the ancient world, the more I began to realize that this is a pretty basic and normal description of life. When we talk about being blessed, we're usually thinking of something special, something rare, something unique. When we use the word blessed, we're usually referring to something we have that others don't have or don't have as much of, how blessed we are because we have it. Those who are blessed are the people who have received things, who have things, who possess things that make them unique, ...and special riches. But here, those blessings are actually fairly modest. The ancient world could have produced a better list of things blessed, things to long for. Ancient people were not sort of barbaric and fundamental and all they knew was food, family, and health. They could have imagined all of the same things that we do. Reputation and power, romance and adventure, wealth, in their day palaces, in our day mansions great cities, great experiences, renown. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed with riches, the psalm could have gone. Or those who fear the Lord will be blessed with power. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed with reputation. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed with mansions and palaces and sports cars and on and on and on. Blessed. But instead, this Jewish Christian faith that we find ourselves a part of does not despise the normal things of life as being good things. Blessed is the one who has food that was produced through the hard work of their hands. Blessed are the ones who find themselves a part of a family, sitting around a table for meals with friends and family. And blessed are those who, generally speaking, have more good days than bad days, who wake up feeling pretty good and have days that continue. Um, Do you remember the Apostle Paul's advice to the uh, church at Thessalonica? He wrote this, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. That's a pretty modest set of goals for this life. Live quietly, mind your affairs, work with your hands. There are a lot of countercultural demands in the Bible. Things the Bible positions or states or instructs us on that the world around us, the culture around us, doesn't seem to accept or live by. You could find plenty of them. But I actually think this is maybe one of the most challenging of those instructions in all of the Bible in our given day. Blessed is the man who can live quietly. Blessed are those who can work with their hands and produce enough to live by it. Blessed are those who earn a fair wage... And feel pretty good each day. But those aren't the things we want. Uh, Maybe they're the things we want, but we have so much more we want on top of those things. We think of those things health and a job and family as kind of the foundational layer. I mean, after all, generally speaking, most people have those things. It's a starting point. But to be blessed means that you've accumulated something on top of those things. You've got something unique, something that other people don't have, something by which you can give thanks for that maybe others can't. The more I spent time looking at the image of this psalm, which at the end of the day is pretty much describing a baseline life, food, family, health. (laughs) This is the starting point. But these are the images that the psalm calls blessed. The more I spent time looking at that image, the more I began to realize this psalm has very little to do with what we want. It has very little to do with what we imagine a blessed life would look like, what it means to be a blessed person following God on this journey, this pilgrimage. You miss it at first because it probably sounds too familiar for you. But this psalm, from the very beginning, has its tone, its interest, not just in what it means to be blessed, but what it means to fear the Lord. Blessed is everyone Who fears the Lord? One way you can read this psalm, which I actually think is the right way to read it, is that these images the psalm offers are not ideals or hopes or promises of blessing if you live in the fear of the Lord. These are not levels of blessedness you could attain, right? First, you get food, like the pyramid of self actualization. Then you can have family. Then you can have health. And you can keep stacking up the blessings as you go. These are not payoffs. If you're faithful to God, pay your tithes, show up to worship, share your faith every once in a while, then you get these promises. What the psalm does is it offers these images of blessing as images of what it looks like to fear the Lord. Now, I have to explain that a little bit. But what I think the psalm is doing is it's saying, if you fear the Lord, you will be blessed. And what it looks like to fear the Lord and be blessed is to work hard and cultivate a produce and to be a part of a family that's growing and to find yourself in good health. So there's a couple things that are strange about that, how these images are images of what it looks like to fear the Lord. Fear of God sounds like something big, sounds like something important. Remember the great scenes, Moses taking his shoes off before the burning bush or the prophets when they would have the visions of the throne falling on their faces and saying, I'm unclean. This is what we imagine fearing the Lord would mean. What does that fear of the Lord, the experience of God's glory, have to do with this stuff, everyday stuff, jobs and family and what you eat? And how is fearing God like the goodness of food and family and health? How are those things connected? Well, first, I think there's a good reason why Paul and God teach us to live simple lives, why the New Testament does not say that the most faithful life is the richest life and the most prosperous prosperous life and the life with the best things instead the new testament seems to suggest that the best life is the simplest life it's not to purge us of our desire the goal is not that we would sort of beat ourselves into submission and want nothing and have no desire have no taste for anything in the world only god it's not to keep us from temptation if you have too much money you'll be tempted if you're too comfortable you'll be tempted if you eat too much you'll be tempted so you should just have nothing and then you won't be tempted that's not true It's not to humble us by poverty. If I just teach you to be poor in absolutely everything, then you'll finally break the back of pride. That's not always the case. The reason the Bible calls for this simple living is because it creates space for us to recognize this fear of the Lord. It creates space for us to recognize this reality of God. Um, G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite writers, kind of from the World War II period of England, wrote this. He said, The man who said... Blessed is he that expecteth nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. Put the eulogy quite inadequately and even falsely. The truth? Blessed is he that expecteth nothing, for he shall be gloriously surprised. The man who expects nothing sees redder roses than common men can see, the greener grass and a more startling sun. Blessed is he that expecteth nothing, for he shall possess the cities and the mountains blessed is the meek for he shall inherit the earth until we realize that things might not be we cannot realize that things are what chesterton was saying was that for those who have no expectation no definition of what a blessed life will look like and if i can only figure out how to obtain it then i can call myself blessed but the person who comes to god with nothing more than the fear of the lord and the humility to receive from him does not find themselves beat down by that poverty, but finds themselves welcomed into a world in which they can receive with a kind of joy and surprise they couldn't before. To fear God is first and foremost to give up on your expectations and your demands of what a good life would be for you. To fear God is to watch your old desires and definitions of that good life fade into obscurity as your vision for God And his goodness takes its space. Who comes to God with a list of their demands and expectations? Do you really imagine that's how this would go? If suddenly you were caught up into the throne room of God, standing before God, he said, I am that I am, this thing that he says to Moses. And you say, great, I've got a list going, some things that I need help with, some things that I want. No, we know that's absurd. We fall on our faces and we worship him. He is the thing bigger and greater than any of the toys or gadgets or desires we had on our shopping list. We live simple lives because we know that doing so opens the door to more of God, to seeing more of him, to receiving more from him, to having our expectations not only met but surprised by how much he is doing around us. Um, There was this article in Christianity Today a few years ago that was on this topic of what does it mean to fear God. It was written by William Inhauser, and he wrote this. Unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God function is God's function is to offset it. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power, for in truth, the world's threats are only temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God possesses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusions, so, he may, so we may revel in the truth that sets us free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin, but forgives me nonetheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the love from the Lord is its completion. I was reading that this week, and it struck me about these three images that the psalm uses. Food produced, a growing family, and physical health. Those are three things that we often imagine we're at the center of. I earn my own wage. I buy my own food. I make money for myself and build my life with it. I'm the leader of my family. (laughs) You know that's not true if you've been (laughs) in a family very long. But it's easy to think it. These are my kids and my house and my family. This is my health. I work out. I take care of myself. Or I don't. It's my control. This is in my hand. But the more you think about those things, the more you know, the more life experience you have in them, the more you begin to realize that all three are actually given to you. That you can't guarantee food comes out of the ground any more than you can pour a little water on the tomato plant and try to chase the deer off from it. But no matter how hard you try, sit there staring at it, you can't produce a tomato on that vine. And your children, those of us who have struggled to have children, who have wanted children and can't, know all too well that they are a gift from God. That we don't control these families or make these families or own these families, that it... Like the food that we consume is a gift. Our best is only as stewards. And those who have battled health know full well how little control we have over even our own bodies. Sure, they are ours, but bad days and good days seem to spring up on us without any planning, without any participation by our own choosing or doing. All of those images are images that we think we control. We think we can define. We think we can chart our own course. We can receive this blessing by our own work, our own determination. But life over and over teaches us that they are all things that we must receive, all things that we are given, all things that we are dependent on. And that is a really difficult thing to accept about life, just how dependent we are for those basic things that we imagine make life worth living. Psalm 128 begins with the fear of God, which is a comprehensive experience of our dependence on Him. This is how the fear of God is like those things. The Psalm gives us the promise that if we fear the Lord, our life will be blessed, that if we turn our attention and our perspective and our energy towards Him, it will be for our good not for our bad, but it will force us to be dependent. It will force us to abandon our own paths, our own ideas, our own expectations, and receive from him. To some degree, that's what fear itself means, the giving up of our independence, the recognition of our dependence. We fear something because we realize we can't control it. We don't own it. We don't command it. And so, too, when we turn our attention and fear to God, we recognize that he is not here to fulfill our checklist of needs. When we come to him, we first and foremost acknowledge our dependence. We open our hands and we say to him, we are here to receive whatever you will give. And we suddenly find ourselves given good things, things which we could have never produced or controlled on our own. Like the man who works hard and suddenly finds the tomato on the vine or the parents who pray and pray and suddenly find themselves with the child. Or we battle day after day with health and suddenly find ourselves healed, restored, broken bones mended, diseases having gone. We're reminded that we are not in control, but so often we are blessed, given things and our dependence that we couldn't have produced on our own. There's a really strange verse that we're going to get to in Psalm 130 in a few weeks. Um, We'll cover it there too, but I couldn't help myself. There's a line in that psalm that says, forgiveness comes from you, talking about God. Therefore, you are feared. I don't think I would ever write that sentence. You forgive me, therefore I will fear you. We sort of imagine it would go the other way around. You are my judge, therefore I will fear you. You forgive me, therefore I will not fear you. So what in the world is the psalm talking about when it says, forgiveness comes from you, therefore you are feared? God, you give me grace, you pour into my life all of these things, so I will fear you. Tim Keller has a little commentary on the Psalms I've been going through as we've been doing these, and he writes this about that line in Psalm 130. Obviously, to be in the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of the Lord, even though the Hebrew word has overtones of respect and awe. To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder, before the greatness of God And his love and his sacrifice. It means that because of his bright holiness and magnificent love, you find him fearfully beautiful. That is why the more we experience God's grace and forgiveness, the more we experience a trembling awe and wonder before the greatness of all that he is and has done for us. Fearing him means bowing before him out of amazement at his glory and beauty. Paul speaks of the love of Christ. Constraining us. What is it that most motivates and moves you? Is it the desire for success, the pursuit of some achievement, the need to prove yourself to your parents, the need to gain respect from your peers? Are you largely driven by anger against someone or some people who have wronged you? And I might add to his list do you have some image of what a blessed life will be that you're driven towards achieving? If you fear something more than you fear God, it will define what blessed means for you, and it will form in you a kind of alternative wisdom, a way the world works, a way that you should live in it, the decisions that you should make. In so doing, as your fear shifts to gaining something or losing something else, all of creation shifts with it. The whole reality of the world and its structure with yourself and your expectation at the center shifts. What you fear most, what you are most dependent on, matters way more than you've probably given time or consideration to. And it's a question worth asking yourself. What do I really fear in this world? And do I fear most the Lord? Am I most amazed by him, most captured by him? Does he hold the greatest weight in my life and is faithfulness to him the thing that motivates me most in this world? This is why the Bible explains that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to know how to live well in this world, it begins by learning to give God that proper weight, that proper respect, that proper fear. So I think you see what I sort of hinted at at the beginning. There's a lot more to this psalm than you catch in that first simple reading of it. Oh, look at this. If I fear the Lord, then he's going to give me food and a good family and health all the days of my life. Thank you very much. I'll fear the Lord. When you bless God, start looking for the miracles to start pouring in. The problem is that this psalm is saying so much more than that. It's telling you that to fear the Lord is to begin to receive, to recognize your dependence. So you can do this. Maybe it's today at lunch or at dinner we have this little tradition of blessing our food. Lord, thank you for this food. Bless this food to our bodies. Amen. When you bless your food, look at it. Recognize that it's a miracle. You are 100% dependent on that food you eat and that water you drink. And no matter how hard you try, you can't produce food or water. You can't just make it for yourself. You are life and death death dependent on it. Yet here it is given to you this day. Grace. Give us this day our daily bread. When you spend time with friends or with family or even here in the midst of a situation where many people are alone, feeling alone, you have people who pray for you when you have needs, who join you in meals when we can. It's a miracle. It's given to you, it's a grace. As much as you might like it if you could close your eyes. And just think really hard and pop up a perfect friend with all of the attributes that you would want in a friend and they're there for you. You can't do it. You're stuck with the people that God gives you. But they are given. When you wake up feeling good, when your back doesn't hurt this morning, when you aren't sick, particularly in this time when so many of us wake up healthy where others may not be, recognize your dependence on it. And that this day it has been given to you. Grace. That's what it means To be blessed. Not to post a picture on Instagram of all the amazing experience and things you have in life, but to look at your food, to look at your friends and family, to look at a day of good health and say that I fear the Lord and he has given me these things so that I might live well in this creation that he's given me. That contentment, that satisfaction, the recognition of that dependence, And the receiving in the midst of it is what it means to fear God. God, I'm entirely dependent on you, the creator and maker of the universe and my life, the breath that I breathe. But yet you have given me good things, so I will fear you more. It means an overwhelming sense that this is what really matters most, that this is what is most real in this world, that this is what I can give my life to what I can trade my expectations and definitions for, this God. And that to live simply and to enjoy his grace is far better than to earn all the riches and the renown and the fame in the world. The truth is, the fear of the Lord is something you can lose. It can be there. Maybe it was there at a moment of conversion. But as life goes on and your expectations begin to shift and new goals arise, new possibilities new things to pursue, there are fears that can begin to push that fear of the Lord out of the way. So what I want to do this morning as we close in prayer and begin to worship is call you back to it, to that fear of the Lord. God, we are dependent on you. You are the thing that matters most in all of this universe. And this morning I come before you and recognize that even the things I want in this life are not ultimately things I can make or possess, but all I can do is come before you and open my hands and say, I fear you and trust you enough to receive whatever it is you would give me. The simpler your life is, the easier it will be to do that. The more desperate your life is, the more you're running this race to meet your own expectations, the harder it will be to pray that and do that. But we get a chance to do it this morning receive our meal to receive our friends to receive this day of health and to recognize in it is this experience of receiving from god and being dependent on him and fearing the lord because everyone who fears the lord will be blessed what a promise let's close in prayer this morning and we'll worship heavenly father we come before you this morning knowing that especially these days it is easy to fear other things fear losing a job, to fear not having enough money, to be afraid of our own health failing us, to be afraid of losing our reputation. God, there are so many ideals, so many idols that set in front of us which we strive for. God, all of us have these images of our best life, that thing that if we could just possess and have, how blessed we would be. we realize how those things, those expectations, so often rob us of what it is to fear you. And the blessing that you promise comes through this fear. So this morning, by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us what it is to be dependent, that we would see ourselves in these weak bodies of flesh, the hunger and the thirst, the desperate need that we have, God, that it would define us. As Jesus, you said in your attitudes, blessed are those who are poor and blessed are those who mourn and blessed are those who hunger and thirst and blessed are those who are persecuted because when we recognize this dependence before you we begin to recognize this fear just how much we depend on you god and as we do we open our hands and we begin to see in new and richer ways what you have given that you sacrificed your son for us you bore the penalty for our sins, that you called us sons and daughters while we were still in sin, still in rebellion against you, that you are pouring into this broken world a new creation, a new kingdom, that we are given a steadfast hope that nothing can separate us from your love. God, as we reflect on it this morning, we feel the weight of weight of your glory in this world that this is what matters that this is what is most true that this is how we live in this creation by being amazed at your work at your sacrifice at your goodness and watching as our own expectations fade and give way to this worship this awe this reverence this fear we have for you this morning god lead us in it teach us what it means to see your grace and you for it teach us what it means to open our hands and receive good things to receive blessings as we depend on you for them god that that dependence would become the center of who we are as people the center of who we are as followers of you so we worship you this morning we worship you as a way of declaring that publicly of declaring it to ourselves and welcoming your spirit into us We are in need of you. Everything good we have is from you and every hope that we have is in you. We fear you this morning. We worship you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray.